Well, only those who saw their work as ordinary as washing the dishes need apply. Only those who saw their work as ordinary as washing the dishes need apply. Such were the hiring practices of the great Albert Schweitzer when he was interviewing physicians to serve with him in Labyrinth in French Equatorial Africa. Only those who saw their work as ordinary as washing the dishes. And no wonder, Albert Schweitzer and his wife Helen uh, in 1913 left Europe uh, to serve uh, in that uh, completely isolated place. Um, it was against all odds that they left. I mean, Albert Schweitzer, even by that time as a young man, hold, held two doctorates, um, was uh, already finished with a handful of books, some which are still in print. He wrote everything from... Uh, uh, from the quest for the historical Jesus, which is still in print, uh, to uh, one of the seminal, seminal biographies on, uh, on J.S. Bach, to, how to, to a book on how to build an organ and play one. I mean, it's incredible breath. He was the principal, or what we'd say the president of a seminary, and he was widely regarded as the greatest organist in all of Europe. And yet he left all that and went with his wife uh, to, uh, this, to Central Africa. When they arrived, uh, they had to set up their hospital in a chicken coop. And they had to, first of all, clear it of all feathers and feces. And as soon as they did, they began to treat 2,000 patients. 2,000 patients uh, amongst the Bantus and the Pygmies that had traveled sometimes 20 days on foot or 20 days uh, by canoe just to get to them. Uh, they had diseases ranging from dysentery to malaria to necrosis to leprosy uh, to um, uh, abdominal tumors uh, to simple cuts which ended in amputations. I mean, the needs were overwhelming, and yet, one after the other, they treated them. And the Schweitzers um, would well, spend most of the rest of their life there in Labyrinth. They were there for two world wars, if you can imagine that. Only coming home when Helen would become very sick and she began to have a, a much more fragile uh, health than uh, she did when they started out and uh, when they were exhausted, or quite frankly, when they needed more money to keep the hospital going. Uh, they would come back, and Schweitzer would fill up one concert hall, one church after another, playing the organ, and he would take all the funds and use them to support the ministry. Uh, they knew about the dogged, day-after-day -day pace of ministry, especially medical ministry. By the middle of the 20th century, he was the most celebrated physician in all the world, and well, no wonder. Uh, in 1952, he was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize in Oslo. Of course, after that, physicians were clamoring to work with him, uh, and many of them wanted to make a name for themselves, and so they would show up and say, you know, I believe I can really make a splash doing this, or this would be a wonderful start to my long 
uh, my long work in medicine, or uh, I believe I can make some significant changes here. <laughs> uh, Schweitzer had nothing to do with any of them. Uh, he, would not, um, he would not entertain any of their uh, applications. But when he occasionally uh, interviewed a physician that said, look, understand that you see one patient after another. It's not glamorous. It's tough sledding. And they would represent themselves as someone that knew that their work was in many ways like washing the dishes or sweeping the floor. It had to be done, and it had to be done day after day. Those he called to work with him. Now, he did so for two reasons. One was that the physicians or the nurses or anyone who showed up thinking, hey, this is going to be this is going to be a place where I can really make a name for myself or this is a place where they really need me. Those people never lasted. I mean, the climate, think about it, the climate where they were was the worst in the world. It's 75 miles south of the equator. And Kay and I know about that area. We were in Kenya at that very area last November. And it was 132 miles inland from the Atlantic Ocean. Not only was the climate terrible, it was the same climate all the time, uh, except for rainy or dry. So people wouldn't last unless they understood it was a daily, it was a really a, a daily responsibility. You kind of put on your shoes every day and get out the door. But the second reason is much more important, much more important for them and for us today, and that is Schweitzer knew that we are called to do the ordinary. Christians are called to do the ordinary so that God can come in and do the extraordinary. You know, in many ways, we're just setting the table. We're just setting the table for what God's going to do. We do the ordinary so he can do the extraordinary. I'm reminding of this all the time. My wife is quick to tell me when I'm discouraged, Pat, it's not your church. Christ's church is not yours. <laughs> not even close to being yours. It belongs to Christ and him alone. And he'll do the extraordinary. Albert Schweitzer continued in his medical ministry and in deep into his 80s, if you can imagine. Still vim and vigorous, incredible man. And when he was in his 30s and when he was in his 80s, he said the same thing after every surgery. He would sew up somebody or he would lance a, lance a bad wound or he would... Uh, or, or he would help someone as they were waking up from anesthesia and they'd say, oh, Dr. Schweitzer, thank you so much for what you've done. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Every time, he said, Jesus Christ has healed you, not me, Jesus Christ. Oh my goodness, such important words for us to hear on any day. And these are the words really that are be spoken through the parable of the sower, one of the most one of the most recited and beloved uh, parables that Jesus offered. I think Jesus offers something like 23 parables in the Gospel of Matthew, and most of them are about the kingdom. Well, let's review this one, shall we? Uh, and uh, let's see if we can't have it come to life for us in a different kind of way. In the beginning, 13.1. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. And great crowds gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and he sat there, and the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables. Now, think about the setting. 
Jesus is in his adopted home, hometown, Capernaum, there on the Lake of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee. And he steps out, you can just see him stepping out on a given morning after really a rough, a rough several weeks of wrestling with the religious authorities. And he just wants to kind of watch the sunrise or say his prayers or be by himself. And all of a sudden it says, crowds, plural, surrounded him. In other words, there were people from different places, different persuasions that suddenly gathered around him, such that he had no choice but to kind of get in a boat and push off from the shore and there, as he always did, just as he went up the mountain to be by himself and, and people followed him and he fed them, well, here he pushes off from the shore and he feeds them in a different way. He begins to throw out indis indiscriminately, just in abundance, uh, the seeds of the kingdom of God so that people would know the truth, so that people would know what it is to truly live, to really live exuberantly. That's what he was doing, you see throwing out seeds of the kingdom. And he said to them, just to kind of let them know how these seeds would fall, he says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Some seeds fell on the path. They, didn't even, they never took root, but until the birds came and, and took them off the path and, and, and consumed them. Um, this is what happens when our, when our life, when our mind is filled with other things and there's no room. There's no room for us to take in the good news of the kingdom. Uh, specifically here, I believe Jesus is addressing the religious authorities. If you read chapter 12 in Matthew, he is in a wrestling match with them. I mean, he, he, he cast out a demon of a hapless individual, you know, and the, the religious authorities just go kabongas and they say, it's by the prince of demons he cast out demons. He says, he's in league with Beelzebul. <laughs> and here Jesus makes a comment to them that, well, Abraham Lincoln made even more famous. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Are you people so foolish as to think that Satan would actually, would, would actually work against himself? Get real. And then they're not finished, and they begin to say, we're not believing in you till you show us a sign. And then Jesus says, the only sign you'll get is the sign of Jonah. And that will be the sign, just as Jonah stepped out of the darkness of the big fish, I will step out of the tomb, and you will see that I have brought the kingdom so near, but you would not have it. You know, it's not just the religious authorities, it's you and me. When we, when we have our lives oh so put together, when we, when we have our mind set. You know, many of us uh, in this congregation think, because I threw up a declaration at some point when I was a teenager, when I was a young adult, now I'm tight with God. Do you really consider that a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's not a personal relationship. That's just completely dismissive. No, to be in a relationship with Christ is to have him continually feed us and push us and mold us and do more with us. We don't have it all together. Only Christ does. And he has more for us. But my goodness, don't let the seeds fall along the path. The second image that Jesus gives is some other seeds fell on rocky ground where they had not much soil, and immediately they sprang up. And since they had no depth of soil, 
But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they just withered away. You kind of get this. I, I'm a gardener, and Texas, you can, you can plant something in shallow soil, and something will come up pretty fast. But I tell you, when the 140-degree temperature comes, forget it. <clears throat> you know, we find out in Texas real fast, the soil is as important as the plant. Uh, and so, but here's some seed hit on the rocky soil. You can see Jesus just tossing this, these seeds out everywhere. And it comes up real fast, but then when the sun hits it, it withers. Jesus here is talking to the disciples. This is getting too personal. But the disciples, if you'll read back in uh, Matthew 4, and Jesus comes along and sees James and John or Andrew and Peter. And later when he comes across Matthew, he says, follow me. And immediately they get up and they follow him. And they follow him for three years until, until the Garden of Gethsemane. And when the darkness closes in and, and the soldiers show up and it looks like all is lost. If you read, I believe it's uh, Matthew 27, 56, if I'm not mistaken. It says, and they all forsook him and they fled. Look. Obviously, this isn't just about disciples, the disciples either. It's about you and me and our discipleship. If we think everything is going to be hunky-dory in the kingdom, we've got another thing coming. It's fraught. Our lives are fraught with, with pain and joy, but pain in, in here and there. It's going to happen. And we're going to lose a child. We're going to watch our parents die. We're going to have the reversal in a job. We're going to have a you know, a, a, a panoply of different types of, 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 of reversals. But the kingdom is always breaking in. And, you know, I have, I have people tell me all the time, well, you know, this happened to me and therefore I don't believe in God anymore. Really? Is your life that shallow? <laughs> no. We as disciples believe the kingdom often is breaking in more strongly during our dark times than in our bright ones. I don't minimize for a minute the pain our people go through. In fact, Scott and Justin and Eric and Brian and, and, and Scott, all of us together, we, we're with you when you're going through the suffering. We never minimize it, but we also know that it's part of it. And um, we must be in deeper soil because God wants to take us to a deeper place. And then finally it says other seeds fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them. Well, these, these Jesus says later, are, are those seeds that get planted and they come up, you know, the plants come up nice and hardy, but then the vines get around them and choke the life out of them. Uh, this, the, this is uh, like the rich young ruler uh, that approaches uh, Jesus and says, Lord, I want to follow you uh, wherever you go. I believe that's in the 19th, 19th chapter of Matthew. He said, I want to follow you wherever you go. I want this new life you talk about. And Jesus says, that's great. That's fantastic. Now, have you, have you, have you uh, obeyed the commandments? He said, yes, sir, since I was a kid. You know, I was just like one of those Fenton kids. I've been obeying the, I've been obeying the commandments all my life. He says, that's perfect. He said, that's perfect. He says, now, just one more thing. I want you to sell what you have, give it to the poor, and then come, come and follow me. And it says, the man went away despondent. He went away despondent. That's important. Look, this, this part of the parable is not just about wealth. It's about when we get our lives oh so settled. 
You know, and I know about this because I'm the homebody of all time. I love, I'm like a hobbit. I love my little home. I like the way Kay cooks. I like routine. I like discipline. But the Lord doesn't care about any of those things. He's always calling us into more. And any, if any young people are walk, watching today, I hope you realize that the Christian life is an adventure. You can never get too situated because the Lord is always moving us along, if not physically, at least mentally and emotionally. He's always got more. But if we're said, okay, Lord, this is the way it is. You know, I have, my life has to be just like this. Well, no seeds can get in and, and you begin to have homeostasis and you're stuck. You're like a pond that has that film over the top of it, not too attractive. Now, those are all important things and I've spent a lot of time on explaining the different kinds of soil. But you know what? Those are all a setup. The, the denouement of this, of this parable is here, the apogee, the, the apex. Other seeds, says Jesus, fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. That's what Jesus has been wanting to say to that, those crowds on the beach the whole time. It's not about what they do. It's all about what God is doing. It's always about what God is doing. When you read the parables, read them carefully because it's always about God's initiative. It's not about ours. And so we go about doing the ordinary so that God can do the extraordinary. 30 times, 60 times, 100 times the yield we ever expected. There you go. And you know, Albert Schweitzer understood this completely. He realized from day one in that chicken coop, the needs were too great. There was too much. It would take the miraculous, the utter miraculous, to take care of all these people. And so, he just went about doing the ordinary, one patient after another. And God did the extraordinary. God brought about the miracles. And so it is with you and me. You think, well, that was great for Albert, you know, in those days. If you don't think we're in days like that now, we need, you need to, you know, check your pulse. This morning I got up and read the newspaper to read. Of course, our hospitals are on the precipice of being completely full. A quarter of all the patients with COVID-19 are 40 years and younger. Uh, we have a viral tsunami upon us. That's bad enough. But the attendant problems are just, as, are, are just as concerning to me and to you. I mean, uh, the United States Census Bureau has uh, revealed on, um, on Monday that fully a third of the American, American citizenry are showing signs of clinical depression. A third. The, New, uh, the Washington Post uh, wrote in their pages uh, early in the week uh, that suicide by overdose is up 56% across all 50 states, pretty much. And finally, uh, the Pew Research Center uh, said something we all know, but 71% of Americans are angry. They are terribly angry um, at the situation, at the government, you name it. And so, wow, 
What do we do in the face of all that? we got all these sick people and now we have all these people that are out of sorts. What do we Christians do? We do the ordinary. And God will do the extraordinary. We write a letter. You ought to be at the office. I bet you Justin writes 10 letters a day in his little brown envelopes just telling people he's thinking about them. Just write a letter. You think he's not busy? He's real busy. Okay, write a letter. Uh, Make a phone call. Bake a pan of brownies. Leave a surprise on somebody's doorstep. Show up for your Zoom meeting so people can see your face. Maybe you don't want to show your face. Maybe it's a little boring to you, but maybe someone needs to see your face. Read the Bible. Let God push you along and say your prayers, knowing that you may not see the results today, but the results will come. Do the ordinary. God will do the extraordinary. You know, Albert Schweitzer was 21 years old, had the world by a string. He woke up on a summer morning. The birds were singing. He was overcome with gratitude. And he said, oh, my goodness, now I know. Lord, I'm so grateful for what you've given me. But in nine years, I'm going to give my whole life to you. Just give me nine years to experience my art. Let me have nine years to study theology. And in nine years, I I will come through for you. And sure enough. He became the toast of Europe in the next nine years. Uh, But at age 30, he quit it all and enrolled in medical school, something for which he wasn't really, really fashioned, but he did it anyway. He studied medicine for six years. Helen studied nursing, and off they went to Labyrinth. She died in 1956. I think he died in 65. And in 1965, when he'd already turned 90 years old, he took one last stroll around the grounds of that little that, that hospital, still pretty primitive in the way it was put together. He looked in the doors to see people being treated. He looked, um, he looked out into the jungle, and then he walked back to his room and laid down. And he died in peace. Schweitzer's favorite scripture was from... Um, Philippians 4, 7. Now may the peace of God that passeth all understanding keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and in the Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. May we just have the courage to do the ordinary. God will do the extraordinary and we will have peace beyond measure.